You're listening to another episode of the Young Investors Podcast, so sit back and relax as myself, Brandon, and my buddy Hamish discuss the latest in the world of finance and stock market investing. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing and you need some help, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with all that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Brandon. I've got a question. Are you a Stranger Things man? <laughs> I'm not. Are you? I am. Oh, so, right. so you haven't seen any of them? Uh, I watched like, I don't know. I watched like half of the first season. I, I'm not a huge TV person. So like... Uh, okay. That's you, the, the TV show's got to really, really grip me. Like... Um, I, I, I really don't watch lots of seasons of different shows. I mean, I'm a Star Wars fan, but I think like yeah. before that, maybe the last TV show I watched in its entirety was probably Breaking Bad. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I've heard that's a enough. lot of people. I've heard a lot of people get very excited about Stranger Things. Yeah. They. Um. Yeah. I, I promise I'm not doing this because I'm invested in Netflix. But the, <laughs> you the Netflix latest- <laughs> shareholder, you. So go and subscribe disgusting. to Netflix. No. Uh- <laughs> the, the latest season is insane, though. It's uh, I think they spent like two hundred and sixty million dollars on this season, really? which is uh, kind of mind blowing. They spent more than um, Disney spent on the Mandalorian, and yeah. it is actually insane. So I just had to had to mention it. Have you seen Obi Obi One? Yeah, I have. I've been watching it. Are you uh, uh, you you liking mixed, it so far? Yeah, mixed mixed opinions. I don't know. So a lot of this Star Wars TV show stuff just. There are moments that just seem a little bit cheesy, but yeah. um, but overall, it's like uh, I'm guessing you haven't seen it. I have, yeah. I have. Oh, you have. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. What did you think of like in? Uh, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil yeah, it don't for spoil anyone. Anything. <laughs> um, in episode one, there's a there's a little there's a child character that does a, a race through the forest. Oh, how ridiculous was how that? How stupid <laughs> was that? That was <laughs> this little girl's like. <laughs> like running at you know a, a pace that what a nine-year-old yeah. girl can run at yeah and there's like five fully grown like adults like sprinting and she's somehow like evading like yeah there's one there's one shot where the the guy the adult guy that's running after her just like full-on just like runs into a tree <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, yeah and before the chase even starts there there's like four of them surrounding her like yeah. in a circle. Like, how does she even get out of the scene? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I agree. It's one like, of those classic, like, yeah. Oh, whoops, I've missed. Yeah, there's and there's quite a few moments like that throughout the whole series yeah. where I kind of find myself a little bit yelling at the screen, being like, "This is a this is stupid." Like this, <laughs> like <laughs> they didn't have to do it this way. <laughs> um, but it is but great. Yeah, no, but then. Yeah. Um, but then certain intimidating characters come in and I'm just like, hoo, 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 yeah. here we go. Yeah, um, it does, yeah, it, yeah, next review. But no, back on Stranger Things, I've heard that um, that this season is like a lot more mature than yeah. the last season. Yeah. They've, like almost to a horror kind of extent. Yeah, they've done, they've done very much what like Harry Potter did where you watch the first couple of Harry Potters and- it's like a kid's- anything from the trolley, dear. Yeah, it's a, it's a kid's movie, basically. <laughs> By the time you get to the end, it's it's quite mature. Quite dark, probably, yeah. yeah. I'd probably say it's a similar level of like, I guess, horror elements and 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 like thriller. Kind it's, of. it's probably more gory than Harry Potter got towards the end. I would say. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it di- it is. It's and it's great. Which is which is. I mean, they have to do that because the audience that grew up with the first couple of seasons of Stranger Things are a lot older now. So. It kind of makes sense that they would do that, but yeah, I was um, I was quite blown away by uh, by by the latest season. So I'd be interested great. to hear people that are following um, go over to YouTube and let us know like the last TV show, or maybe you're watching it at the moment, like the last TV show that you properly got hooked on. I'm interested to see like what are the what are the most addictive kind of TV shows that people have gotten hooked on. Mm. I reckon Breaking Bad will feature a bit. That was quite a t- oh uh, Game of Thrones, of course, that'll feature. Mm, yeah, yeah I'll be interested to see. Yeah, anyway. all, all of those kind of yeah, yeah. H- HBO does good shows. AMC, mm. amazing shows always. So anyway, we we, we should move on to uh, to discuss some things uh, investing and finance related uh, today. We've got a couple of stories. We've got an interesting one out of Apple uh, who uh, released some, uh, or they did a bit of a, a, a conference to to talk yeah. about some of the software changes. And there's some some 
businesses uh, on the stock market. They won't be too happy about some of the features they've introduced. Uh, We've got some updates out of some central banks in Australia and in Europe. Uh, What else have we got? Musk is uh, back in the news with some uh, more ongoing stuff about uh, the economy and some rule changes uh, in relation to stock trading. So, yes, lots to talk about. We'll try and get to some questions as well towards the end from you guys. Uh, But uh, before we get started, let's do the sponsored segment. Today's episode is sponsored by ShareSite, which is an application you can use to track the performance of your stock portfolio. So you can bring in all of your trades either automatically uh, by connecting your broker or you can connect, uh, download your trades using Excel, for example, and, and copy them in. And once you do that, it will track all of the gains and losses in your portfolio. So capital gains, dividends. If you have dividend reinvestment plans, it will do those calculations for you. Currency gains, if you're buying shares internationally or you hold foreign currencies, I've said this a few times, but currency gains is uh, pretty important at the moment with uh, inflation at the moment and central banks changing their interest rates because changes to interest rates uh, impact the uh, the strength of different currencies relative to each other. So tracking those in your portfolio is going to be critical to getting an accurate view of uh, what your portfolio return has been. And then you can also use it for when it comes to tax time. So ShareSite generates up to 12 different reports that can be used to track the performance of your portfolio and used at tax time to work out things such as capital gains, dividend income, and more. And at the moment, you can try ShareSite for free by heading over to sharesite.com forward slash young investors. That's site spelled S-I-G-H-T, sharesite.com forward slash young investors. Use that link, sign up to a free plan, track up to 10 holdings for as long as you want. Uh, or you can also use that link to sign up to a premium plan for more features and you'll get four months off a yearly subscription if you use that link. So go check it out if you're interested, particularly uh, ShareSite works all around the world, but uh, particularly if you're in Australia and New Zealand and tax time is upon you and maybe elsewhere, I'm not sure if, and does anywhere else around the world do tax? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure, but maybe it's- I have no idea. So uh, yeah, go check out ShareSite and get your uh, investing finances in order. Indeed. Um, Let's talk about WWDC. Yeah. Hey, I got got a- I got a tricky one for you. What does WWDC stand for? Yeah, that is a tricky one. I didn't know what it stood for. Oh, uh, you looked it up? <laughs> I mean, of course I looked it up. I mean, oh, we're going to okay, talk right. about it. I uh, I had to look it up. Um, it stands for Worldwide Developers Conference. Yes, um, but just for Apple. <laughs> j- just Apple's for Apple. Worldwide Developers Conference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's uh, kind of a big event, big spectacle that Apple puts on over a couple of days to show off their new software and tech uh, for all of their operating systems. So, Mac OS, iPad, Watch, and TV. And uh, the purpose is to is kind of for third-party software developers who are making applications and uh, can kind of see what changes are coming to Right. Okay. Uh, I didn't know that OS. that was the reason behind it. Yeah. I, I didn't either. And it, yeah. it makes perfect sense. I always just thought it was them announcing it for consumers. But um, I mean, I guess it kind of does both. It kind of teases consumers about what's yeah. coming. Um, you can get excited about what's maybe being released over the next year or worked over on the next couple of years. But yeah, for developers, it's it's kind of what features are going to be implemented that we can start working on for, for certain apps. Um, so like widgets, for example, if you make a certain application, maybe then you can have a, you can work on building a widget that works within iPhones when they released widgets or something like mm. that, whatever mm. it is. But actually one um, thing... Um, one thing I just sorry I'm just sharking in here. One thing that blew my mind. Hmm. Have you seen how many views on YouTube WWDC 2022 has? No, I haven't. I seen mean, that. this yeah. is. I mean, it's a little. It's one piece of evidence. But you talk about a company with a brand moat. It's been viewed 7.4 million times in two days. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's a conference wow. about software change. Like, my gosh. That's but I guess crazy. it was a little bit hardware as well, wasn't it? Uh, was there? Any, yeah, there was a little bit of hardware. With yeah, they the spoke. Processes. They spoke about the chips. Yeah, the M2 yeah. chip. Um, I didn't watch. Anyway. I'll, I'll admit, I didn't watch the entire thing, so I'm not exactly sure what kind of other hardware stuff they spoke about. Um, but I was but just very as, an, a, as a little anecdote, it's like company with a brand. How many yeah. corporate presentations could they put on the internet that would get 7.4 million <laughs> views in two days? I mean, whew, Apple, yeah. they know what they're doing, don't yeah, they? Yeah, it definitely draws a lot of attention, and I yeah. wonder if a lot of the attention for the whole presentation comes from people like um, MKBHD, who obviously did a, he did a breakdown on the event. And I think he, I don't know if, I don't know actually if they have an in-person element, but um, he did a number of videos and it looked like he was traveling in a hotel room. So I think he did kind of go to some physical events there to record some stuff. Um, I wonder how much of that has, I'm sure that has a massive impact 
on the attention around the yeah. whole event and get people excited about maybe just watching and seeing what stuff is um, coming down the pipe for, for Apple. But mm. there's a couple of things that I kind of wanted to, I thought were interesting. Um, one that kind of is is very much related to to businesses, um, particularly some some fast growing stock market businesses. There were several new features uh, that were introduced or, or update, updates that are coming to the iPhone wallet app. So, uh, just to give kind of a, a summary of what the wallet app is before these changes were announced. Um, so essentially it allows you to uh, securely store your credit card and debit cards and then a bunch of other things. So like loyalty cards, boarding passes, tickets, oh. uh, car keys, which is pretty cool, uh, transit cars and even IDs in a couple of states. They ab- admitted that it's been quite difficult to get US states to be on board with ID on um, having ID on your phone and it's been difficult with cars to get an, uh, some kind of connection there where you can unlock your car with uh, the wallet. Um, but their their goal is essentially to, to make a physical wallet. Um, no, like- uh, Make it just digital. Uh, absolute. Um, so- yeah. I found yeah. that really interesting because um, I, I'm totally just used to these, you know, Apple Pay or, or Google Pay or whatever it is just being like, uh, use your phone as your credit card. Yeah. That's pretty much all I use it for. And I was actually really surprised. I didn't know that they went that step further these days because I remember when um, we went to the Formula One, when I mm. bought the tickets to the Formula One through, I think it was the Ticketmaster app, um, you had to send those uh, tickets to your Google Pay, your Google Wallet, whatever it's called. Mm. So the same app that I'm using to tap at the supermarket to buy my groceries, I'm also showing them this is my ticket to get into the Formula One. So that was like, wow, okay, this is actually uh, starting to become a much bigger thing. And you can totally see it totally makes sense that, you know, how many, I mean, I know people that have an everyday wallet, and mm. then like a chunky wallet that's got all their cards. <laughs> they have like 50 cards, like no kidding, in this yeah. other other wallet just because they're cards that they need to keep but they don't need every day. So it yeah. just makes sense. It's just a small thing but it makes total sense. Bring those cards, bring everything in your wallet onto your phone. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely someone who has both of those uh, right. wallets because I – yeah, I, the only thing I really need – besides my ID. So, I need a physical ID. Then the only other thing I carry with me in like a really small wallet is a little bit of cash and like a credit card in case my phone dies, I guess. So, I have like yeah. a physical credit card. But yeah, it's I've, <laughs> everything else I just put rewards cards, which I like to have on me like flybys and that sort of thing. Um, but you don't want to be carrying like 50 million cards yeah, exactly. with you everywhere you go. So Loyalty cards, gift cards. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, so that, that's kind of what the wallet app is. And essentially you can use these stored and I mean, most people kind of know this, but just to give a background, um, you can use these stored cards, cards to transact via Apple pay. So you can use your iPhone to wirelessly pay at, uh, physical stores. You can check out on websites if they've integrated it and do in-app purchases, of course, on, on iPhones and Apple watches. Um, and then the only other thing that kind of existed around um, this space was the Apple Card, which is in the US only, which is a titanium Apple credit card issued by Goldman Sachs and runs on the MasterCard network. Uh, and it gives 2% daily cash back and 3% cash back on Apple products with no fees, except for interest, of course. So right. um, <laughs> that's one thing I would love for them to bring um, to Australia. That card is sick. Have you seen that? It is metal? pretty cool. Yeah. It is very Although cool. <clears throat> I don't know if they've changed it. I remember just watching like again MKBHD when he did his like unboxing of the Apple credit card or, or yeah, debit card yeah. or whatever it was. But it was white. And I mean oh. white maybe they've changed it. They probably have changed it. Have they? I don't I, know. I, the the one I saw on their website was like a silver silver. Was, yeah. Okay, that's that's better. But it's like when with these like a white credit card looks beautiful when you pull it out of the packet and it's clean yeah once it's been used a couple hundred couple thousand times and it's been in and out in and out your wallet in and out in and out and it's just not looking white anymore yes yeah, it murky. looks trash yeah. it looks terrible no no but the like the metal the silver metal or black metal i think there's a there's an american express black card or something i'd get a black um, one black would be good yeah, that's pretty cool. I wish there was. I mean, you can get an American Express, but you have to. It's it's quite a high um, spending limit, I think, for the for the metal one. But those metal cards are pretty cool. I wish they. Uh, yeah, I wish they had them in Australia. But uh, in terms of announcements for this year, so they made a couple of announcements. 
uh, in relation to the wallet. So merchants will now be able to do contactless payments to an iPhone. Uh, without any point of sale terminal needed, so um, you know most merchants well, m- merchants need some kind of point of sale terminal where you can tap your card. Uh, newer, you know, cafes and and maybe even um, kind of uh, like uh, stalls that are set up in a market will use something like a Square uh, device, yep. which is a very very simple kind of thing. Or Square, I think, even has one where it plugs into the iPhone, so all of the interface is on your phone, and then you just plug in a little tap to pay terminal uh that is completely obsolete now so um, <laughs> merchants can now just if they have an iphone accept payments and use their phone as the terminal which i think makes so much sense i mean the tech is there for it f- to send data out of the phone it makes sense that it can receive data as well um so that makes makes hmm. perfect sense that doesn't surprise me at all um that is and then, interesting yeah and uh i mean look it's not going to be for every type of business because you know you can't obviously swipe a card into a <laughs> yeah true into an iphone or you can't insert a card into an into an iphone but um for stalls and that sort of thing that can just take contactless payments um and a lot of festivals and music events do that now where they only take contactless payments so um yep. it's kind of the direction it's going and i, I think yeah. that's probably something I, I guess that's i don't know how that will work into the in somewhere in the US at least now because the US, as far as I'm aware, contactless payments aren't as widely used as they are here in Australia. Here, pretty much everyone uses yeah. contactless payments. I so. mean, I th- I had heard that. I definitely heard that. But then when we are in the States, I, I didn't – like the only bit of cash I held was Tom's cash that he took out. Yeah, I, every, yeah. Everywhere else that's, I use my card. That's true. Yeah, we, we, we had yeah. no issue using contactless payments in, in the US. Uh, I, I guess I didn't really take any notice of what other people were doing, whether they were swiping or, yeah. or whether they were using contactless payments. But yeah. But yeah, um, cash is definitely on the way out. I mean, it's obvious. Yeah. I, I don't think, I can't remember the last time I used cash to pay for anything. Yeah. I just keep cash in an emergency, like just to have something. I've stopped doing that as well. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's probably kind of pointless to do that anyway. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, the big announcement um, in terms of the wallet was uh, they announced Apple Pay later. Which is, uh, it's a great name, isn't it? Apple, Apple, pay, Apple later. pay Later. Which is, of course, their Buy Now, Pay Later service. Wow. Um, that name is wow. so good. <laughs> I just- Apple Pay Later. <laughs> That's one thing Apple's so good at. They're, they're so good at just having simple but really powerful names for, yeah. for their stuff. Like Apple Watch. I don't know. Another just- thing they're good at is creating new products or services a couple of years late- but somehow stealing all the market share. So this will be very interesting because there's no there's no doubt this sort of, this is there's a million different buy now pay later products or so I guess services out there. Yeah. But yeah. Let's let's just watch Apple come in and eat their lunch. Yeah, it's massive. So their service is pretty similar to other services, four installments over six weeks, no interest fees, uh, no interest or fees. I think there's gonna be a limit of a thousand dollars, which is what a lot of services do. Um anyway yeah um so that most just people- the masters of copying yeah yeah I- exactly and essentially it will be available anywhere that apple pay is available which is massive because it means two things one is uh there's no integration needed for developers if they've already integrated apple pay into their online store so if, if in checkout they've already got apple pay as a way you can pay they don't need to integrate buy now you know apple pay later um mm. the, the customer will just be using apple pay and it'll be all done on apple's end um, and the other thing is, uh, in terms of physical retailing, Apple Pay is accepted pretty much everywhere because it runs on the MasterCard network. So, uh, in right. terms of physical okay. retailing, almost immediately, it's accepted more places than uh, Afterpay and ZipPay and Affirm and all these other ones who are, have to basically convince merchants yep. to accept this payment method. Uh, Apple immediately Just is- by their pre-existing structure. Yeah. Yeah. So- uh, nice. it's, a, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, some buy now, pay later stocks were down kind of 4 to 5% on the news. Um, a firm was kind of the biggest one down after pay, uh, which is no longer listed. But uh, I think they're owned by Dropbox now. PayPal was down, which has a, has a feature as well. Um, but even the largest kind of buy, I was kind of looking into this market. The largest buy now, pay later um, uh, businesses, services, which is after pay and a firm, they have just 10 to 13 million active customers, which is a lot of customers. But Apple has 1 billion iPhone users. So even if a small percentage of those users, like 
if 1% of iPhone users use their feature over Afterpay, uh, they will immediately be the same size as Afterpay, <laughs> which mm. is which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, Afterpay's uh, owned by Square, by the way. You said oh, Square. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, that makes box Square. Same <laughs> diff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because Square's called Cube now, right, or something, or like bo- Block or something. A block. Yeah. Block. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's all um, right. It's just you just got your words mixed up. That's yeah, all. yeah. I could tell straight away. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it, it'll be very interesting to see how successful this is. I saw one study that said that uh, I think 7% of the US population have used a buy now pay later service in the last year. So, I mean, if you assume 7% of their iPhone users can, will you know, that applies across the iPhone users, that's like 70 million active customers, which is like many times bigger than these yeah. other services. So, even if yeah. they don't get to that, um, they're, they're likely to be immediately a very large player, if not the biggest player in this space. Yeah, um, honestly, um, I don't think that's good news for other buy now, pay later. No, <laughs> I don't think it's good, good news at all. Uh, I th- I do think that Apple will just come in and, and eat their lunch, you know, honestly. Yeah, it, it is kind of another networking effect situation where Apple is able to bring so many users to this immediately and yeah. so many merchants already accept it. It just, yeah. m- it just makes it immediately a better service for it makes it easier for merchants they don't have to add anything new and it's easy for customers because it'll be accepted pretty much everywhere and then once that flywheel has started uh then merchants that don't offer it will uh, and customers that don't use it will (laughs) yeah you're exactly right you're it's it's totally network effect like apple have got this switching moat they've got this ecosystem they've got all these users Mm. now their job is to just think how can we utilize this massive network and continually you know take over other areas of business how can we enter other areas of business we've got all these you know iphone sales great everybody loves you know they're all hooked on icloud and music and all this now what do we do okay can we we've already we've got our apple pay now everybody's using apple pay could we push it one step further and get into buy now pay later i mean everybody's already using it yeah we can do that okay great can we do this can we do that yeah it's just about applying your network effect to another area and then it's like because they're so massive It's just immediately like they just suck it up. It's like, this is ours now. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of rough. And I mean, it's difficult, I think, for these businesses to differentiate themselves in any key way. Um, I mean, it's a pretty basic service. There's not really anything besides being no fees, which Apple immediately did, of course. Um, There's really nothing else you can do (laughs) to differentiate. So, I think it's going to be difficult uh, going forward for Mm. for some of these other companies. Obviously, if you... For people who are not iPhone users, they can't use Apple Pay later. So, you know, that's a market that still exists. But I think in the US, like 80% of people use iPhones or something. So, in the US at least, it's um, it's kind of checkmate. But uh, yeah. Pretty insane. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. The only other thing I had on Apple, I know I've spoken about this for a little while, but uh, Apple CarPlay, uh, they showed uh, the next generation of Apple CarPlay. So, Apple CarPlay is kind of where you connect your iPhone in the vehicle. And um, if, if the vehicle has it integrated, then a little basically a little iPhone screen will pop up and you can use all of the apps that are relevant or whatever. Um, the new, have you seen this on uh, MKB, MKBHD's uh, video? I don't think so, no. Well, they're essentially now they're working with car companies to take over the entire UI, the whole user interface. So, oh. uh, for cars that have really good uh, in-car uh, in digital displays, uh, they'll be able to take over everything. So, like the speedometer, the fuel economy, maps, oh, clock, geez. hands-free. The whole, they, they showed an example of a car. I guess it would probably be like a newer electric car, for example, where like the whole front is just a display, including the speedo and, and all of that. And the whole thing just once you plug in your phone converts to... Um, to, to Apple CarPlay and you can have like your your like calendar up and music and wow. it looked great. It looked amazing. Have Go have a look at this uh, th- this video. Um, yeah, I'll have to. Everybody, uh, because it, it looks very impressive and it makes perfect sense. And as um, uh, as he says in the, in the video, uh, car companies for so long have been terrible at making in-car entertainment systems. So, it makes perfect sense that someone like Apple can come along and just do the entire thing. <laughs> um, wow, I'm looking at it right now. That's insane. 
yeah, it's kind of uh, it's kind of impressive. So, so they're basically just going like, look, auto manufacturers, you guys are not good at software, so just leave it to us. We'll do it. Yeah, and and I presume the car probably has to have some other kind of system if you don't have an iPhone. I don't know. They didn't really explain if it's still going to be the classic, you plug in your iPhone and then it goes to Apple CarPlay or whether the whole thing will be Apple CarPlay and you can use it better with your iPhone, but you can use it, obviously, if you don't have an iPhone. (laughs) There has to be some entertainment system, obviously, if you don't have an iPhone. But I don't know how that will kind of work. Um, I guess it might be manufacturer to manufacturer um, since they would have to kind of design it specifically for certain... Um, for certain vehicles. so But that'll be fascinating to see um, because that's something that cars have had. It's been a letdown for cars for a very long time is the is the kind of the, the digital screens are always terrible and the yeah, maps the software and sucks. the GPS <laughs> is terrible. And yeah. There's no car software. Besides Tesla's car software, there's no car yeah. software that's good. Yeah. It's just all garbage. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, very bad. Yeah. And like the screens are like super laggy. It's just... <laughs> Everything about it is just a bad experience. Yeah. Anyway, hot take over here. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's all I cool. had um, to, to talk about. I thought those were a couple nice. of interesting areas, but um, yeah, I need I need to get on I need to get on the catch up. I need to watch uh, watch through after this. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that sounds crazy. Hmm. Um, all right, where should we? Uh, oh, can can I talk about this? Uh, these rule changes, potential yeah. SEC rule changes coming to stock trading. Uh oh, what's yeah. happening? Well, it could be good. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. It says um, the top U.S. securities regulator on Wednesday proposed rule changes to how uh, to transform how Wall Street handles retail stock trades after the meme stock mania last year raised questions about whether mum and pop investors. Hey, that's not very nice. Mum and pop investors like me and you, Hamish Hodder, um, right. we're getting we're getting the best price. Uh, the plan okay. unveiled by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, sorry, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler, um, would require trading firms to directly compete to execute trades from retail investors to boost competition. Uh, the Wall Street Watchdog plans to scrutinise the controversial payment for order flow or PFOF practice, uh, in which some brokers like TD Ameritrade, Robinhood Markets, uh, and E-Trade are paid by wholesale market makers for orders. So, what they want to do, I, actually, I'll just go through the, this article explains it well. So, this is how it's going to work. Okay, so the proposed rule changes will include an SEC uh, definition of best execution. Uh, hang on, let me, uh, yeah, the proposed rule changes will include an SEC definition of best execution requirements that would force retail brokers to send their customers' orders to auctions run by exchanges or off-exchange trading venues, which would allow market participants to compete to trade against the order, uh, to, to compete to trade against the orders, the resources said. My gosh, I can't read anything today, Hamish, what's <laughs> going on? Um, currently, retail brokerages can send customer orders directly to a wholesale broker to be executed as long as the broker is matching or bettering the best price available on the US exchanges. That's the best, what's it called? Best bid and offer. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, large market makers typically improve on the best price by a fraction of a percent. So they get the business and, and, and there we go. Um, Last paragraph. Uh, The rules would require retail brokers to send PFOF orders, payment for order flow customer orders, to the wholesaler offering the best deal on this auction system uh, rather than just the one that pays it the most for the orders. So at the moment, it's like a Citadel goes over to Robinhood and just says, hey, man, we're going to give you X million of dollars if you send us those juicy customer orders and then we'll figure out a way to fulfill them internally which makes it profitable for us but what the sec is now saying in this sorry there's a very long convoluted kind of article but that what they're saying is that hang on we don't really like this whole it seems a little bit dodgy it's just like we'll approach robin hood and say hey just send us all those orders and we'll give you x millions of dollars you want to do that oh handshake let's do it instead Instead, what they want to do is set up an auction system hmm. where Robinhood can say, okay, we've got all of this, uh, we've got all these orders. We don't actually execute the trades ourselves. 
Um, so they will say, hey, these trades, someone come and execute them. We'll give them to you. And these wholesale um, brokers have to bid against each other. They have to compete against each other to yeah. offer the best deal for the retail investor that wants to either buy or sell a security. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, Does that, that sounds, make sense? Yeah. Sorry. I mean, look, all of this technical behind the scenes stuff is not anything I kind of really understand, um, to right. be completely honest. But um, it sounds good. It sounds like it's going to be fairer for, for retail investors. Yeah. And, um, it, I mean, I would imagine it's probably something in a very small margin, a very small impact on your overall outcome as a retail investor. But certainly, um, we want to kind of close any ability of, of brokers to take advantage of retail investors. So, hmm. I think overall... Uh, Oh, if you just looked at how you how you did as a retail invest, I think it it it, it would make the smallest of of like uh, uh, the smallest maybe a, a cent or I, I don't even know the smallest difference. However, maybe on a very large scale, it makes a difference, and it also yeah. just it it's just a different structure that seems to just stamp out the possibility of um, of dodginess. Yeah. You know, uh, of saying like, no, 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 trust it. Like, give, please give us your orders. Like, we want those orders. Give it give it to us. Like, no, no, no. We're going to, instead of just Robin Hood and Citadel making a deal, instead Robin Hood has to, you know, throw it out out there. All of the Citadels of the world have to come through and, and make an offer. And then Robin Hood has to give it to the, the one offering the, the best deal for the retail uh, investor, it seems like. Wow. Um, Really yeah, cool. it says this would fundamentally fundamentally alter the business model of wholesalers, which can make more money by executing retail investor orders internally than they do on public exchanges, um, where they might find themselves trading with other sophisticated trading firms or institutional investors. Quote, I asked staff to take a holistic cross-market view of how we could update our rules and drive greater efficiencies in our equity markets, particularly for retail investors, Gensler told an industry audience on Wednesday. Um, other benefits I've just listed, the, S- the new SEC rules would mandate market orders, uh, market makers disclose more data around the fees these firms earn uh, and the timing of trades for the benefit of investors. Uh, the benefit, uh, it would enhance order by order competition. That's what we're talking about, uh, including via potential open and transparent auctions aimed at providing investors better prices. Uh, they would require broker dealers and market centers to disclose more data around order execution quality to benefit investors, including a monthly summary of price movement and other statistics. The rules would also see, seek to shrink the minimum pricing uh, increment or so-called tick size to better align with off-exchange activity and harmonize the tick size to ensure all trading occurs in the minimum increment. So I think what's the minimum increment at the moment? It's like five cents or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I it's know. five this cents in, a- uh, in Australia. Maybe it's different in the States. Yeah, I'm not yeah. quite sure. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it, it's it, certainly not something I think I spend. No, I all think this is like t- on the limit of our technical knowledge. Yeah, um, yeah. because I mean, the, the truth is for, I think for the average investor, I mean, having these rules in place and, and checks and balances is obviously important. It's great to that they're doing these things. But for the average investor, it's not like this is something that you need to be overly worried about, I don't think. Um, I mean, certainly if you're if you're just index fund investing, you don't have to worry about it. If you're investing in great businesses, it's not something that's kind of you don't have to be thinking, oh, damn, how much of a return have I lost to to this, you know, to this mm. system? But um, I think it's just yeah. cleaning up the structure so that there's exactly. less of an opportunity for people to Exploit be it. dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, or to, for entities to be dodgy. Yeah, it's just right. making it more transparent, open. Everyone can see what's going on. So we'll see if it happens. Yeah, I, I read another article like from the Wall Street Journal. I haven't got it up at the moment, but it was just like the title was just like uh, "Brokers Quick to Criticize Latest SEC." I was like, of course they're going to criticize, and really? it was just like Shocker. line after line of different like spokespeople from different brokers saying, "Look, we think this uh, new ruling is worrisome. We don't think it, it achieves the best for retailer." Blah blah blah. <laughs> okay, like, no, no one. Of course, you're saying that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it it is interesting how kind of all of this unfolded because it just started off as Robinhood. It's the free trading platform. Don't worry, like it's completely free. Mm. 
we don't make any money. We're doing this for charity. No, but like- And for it- those that don't know, like the whole shtick behind like um, uh, brokerage-free trading platforms, the reason that they're able to be brokerage-free in a lot of cases, not all cases, in a lot of cases is because they instead make their money through this pay- payment for order flow. So, they grab all those customer orders and they're just like, hey, who wants to execute them? Pay us and we'll give you these orders. You can see what's coming down the coming down the pike. So that's like the the reason behind it. But yeah, sorry. Continue. No, it is. Uh, <laughs> it, it just kind of started out as this kind of amazing thing, and then it's like, oh, it's not quite as squeaky clean uh, behind the scenes in some cases. It would be yeah. cool if there, and I'm sure maybe this does exist. I don't really spend too much time looking at brokerage free sites, but uh, it would be cool to have somewhere it was super clean, and the only way they made money was off some kind of premium subscription service. Maybe it's yeah. access to data. Um, or a limited number of trades for the free trading, and then you pay a subscription service. I don't know, something like that, where yeah. you, on a on an individual trade basis, you're not paying, um, but they could tie it into some sub- subscription service or something. I guess I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it's not something I. I mean, I, someone. I think I trade like actual individual trades. Definitely less than ten a year. <laughs> like some years, it'll be less than five a year. Yeah. So. For um, sure. Besides, like index fund kind of regular trades, like trades of individual. I would businesses. say even including that. <laughs> yeah, it's it'd be less. close. Even including it would be it would be pretty close. It'd be like yeah. less than twenty. So yeah, yeah, yeah I'm definitely Crazy. not definitely not someone who cares all that much between five dollar brokerage versus zero dollar brokerage. Yeah, <laughs> it's no. not making a huge difference. It's not so. going to make. Yeah, it's not going to make a big difference. Yeah, exactly no. right. Um, okay, all that's right. uh, that's that one. We'll have to see. Yeah, I don't know this. Who knows whether these rules will be implemented, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the uh, Reserve Bank of Australia, our favorite. Uh, our favorite we don't uh, we just love the Reserve Bank? Interest ooh. rates going up in Australia too, eh? We do. We spend a lot of time talking about the Federal Reserve. We give, the, we give Jerome Powell a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, media time, screen time. We do. Actually, speaking of that, inflation data is coming out in a couple of days, isn't it? For yes. The States. So, it usually comes out on the, I want to say 11th or 12th or 13th. Yeah, I right. hope it doesn't come out on my birthday on the 11th because uh, that'll be depressing, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, mate, it's going to be uh, 2%. Oh, yeah, that's right. What are we... Well, no, we're into deflation now. We must be. Yeah, yeah. yeah it has to be. Otherwise, yeah, we're, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe there'll just be inflation up until November and then December will be negative 30 or something like that. So <laughs> oh then we just, we just wipe it all out. We'll I wonder, be- like, what would have to happen for that to come true? It'd probably be like... Like what effect would have to happen in the market? No, no, no. Like, like yeah, yeah. Like what would actually have to happen in the world for that to, to, to actually come true? I don't even know. Just over the shoreline, like a thousand boats with oil just appears. Where did it come from? <laughs> yeah. just oil is like, free. <laughs> yeah. Alien species has come through and they offer us a gift of yeah. all the resources we could ever ever need yeah someone invents like 10 a pill. times more than we would ever need of every resource we could think of yeah They're like we're just going to leave this here for you guys yeah. as a peace offering <laughs> someone invents a pill that you just eat once and it's five dollars and you never have to eat again like you just your body just you just it just that little pill just sits in your stomach it just releases slowly over <laughs> oh this is actually a fun like funny thought, little thought. thought experiment yeah anyway sorry i've totally derailed your story <laughs> sorry no, so, um, I mean, maybe that'll happen, but assuming that doesn't happen, we can uh, continue on with what's going on in the world. <laughs> oh, but um, the Reserve Bank of Australia, our um, central bank, of course, uh, finally raised the uh, official cash rate, which is uh, our federal funds rate equivalent. Um, to uh, They raised it 0.5% to 0.85%. So, okay, still under a percent, but um, much bigger than the point. One five percent increase that they did, I think, last month or two months ago. So, um, they're they're in line with the US now in doing 0.5 percent increases. So, yep, that comes after our inflation rate. I think hit 5.1 percent. Yeah. So we're still quite a bit off the UK, the EU, and the US. Um, but there's we're still well above the two to three percent target or the one to two percent that the US kind of looks for. Yeah. Um, shortly after. Um, the banks came out and made a statement and said, hey, everyone's having a tough time at the moment, so we're not going to be passing on um, the uh, the full 0.5%. I'm just joking. They all passed yeah. it on within <laughs> within like a few hours. 
I was like, Hamish, what you've just said does not sound like bank behaviour. Uh, are we in a parallel universe? Yeah. <laughs> Am I still dreaming? <laughs> no. You're an ethical bank. Yeah. We know that you're doing it tough. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, so Com- Commonwealth, NAB, ANZ and Westpac, all four major banks in Australia, all raised their variable mortgage rates by 0.5%. So, just to give some context, on a $500,000 mortgage, that's an extra $133 a month. On a million-dollar mortgage, that is an extra $265 a month. So, um, you know, it's a right. sizable um, it's a sizable increase. It's not, um, it, it's not anything that's small. Uh, the current forecast uh, has the official cash rate hitting 2.5% by the end of this year. So, there's still expected to be a number of rate hikes. If that's the case, uh, a $500,000 thousand dollar loan will have an increase of six hundred and fifty two dollars per month by the end of next year wow which is uh that's big right and and th- th- this is kind of the what we've been talking about how um because interest rates have been so low just a small increase you know can double the payment someone has to pay really really quickly or, or add 50 percent to it um and you know six six hundred and fifty uh six hundred and fifty dollar monthly increase just on interest rates at 2.5% is... Um, that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, and 2.5% is not necessarily where it will end. So... I think the I heard the average average Australian mortgage is $300,000 in that range. It's probably something like that. Yeah. yeah I think I heard um, that on the news the other the other night. So, yeah, even still, that's, that's going to be quite still quite a substantial jump. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one uh, RBA analyst said uh, that even if interest rates rose to 2%, which he called, and this is a quote, a doomsday scenario, uh, 40%, <laughs> <Wow>. of, <laughs> 2%, 40% of borrowers uh, are already making payments large enough to cover the increase. So, if interest rates go up 2%, he's basically saying uh, at least a sizable chunk of uh, borrowers are already paying the extra amount. In other, like They're paying down their mortgage quicker than they need to now. Um, which, right. Okay. You know, which is which is good. Um, that's although promising. That's yeah. only forty percent that are doing that, and uh, that's only a two percent increase. It's not necessarily. I don't. I don't know if I would call that a doomsday scenario. No. Uh, <laughs> I would probably be modeling something more like six or eight percent as a doomsday scenario. But uh, and then uh, the other kind of point is twenty. Uh, the article made was twenty five percent of borrowers uh, would be facing a thirty percent increase in their payments with just a 2% interest rate increase. Um, right, okay. So, a, a quarter would face, you know, quite a substantial increase. So, mm. yeah, that's kind of what's happening uh, happening down under in relation to inflation um, and uh, and the Federal Reserve starting to make some moves in line. And yeah, as you said, we'll, we'll see next week uh, what happens with inflation and then shortly thereafter, we'll see... Um, what the Fed decides to do about it. Um, so, yeah, so certainly I think it'll be exciting. Well, not exciting. It'll be interesting to see what happens and whether inflation continues to decline on a year-over-year basis as it did last month in the US um, or whether it rises. Um, the ECB, so the European Central Bank, uh, on the other hand, is uh, in a little bit of a different situation. They still have high inflation, 8.1% last month, but they haven't even stopped the net asset buying yet. So, they're still doing quantitative easing. They're still printing money. They've still got the machine going. <laughs> really? It's like they haven't looked over at what everyone else is doing. <laughs> and to, to be fair, the, the US only stopped a couple months ago in March and um, True, both have only done a couple of rate hikes. But yeah, the ECB is still just churning that machine away. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, they, they haven't even... St- <laughs> they haven't it's even getting started. hot in here. Getting hot in here. Well, yeah. what should we do? <laughs> what did you say inflation was? 0.8? 8? Eight? <laughs> Yeah. Turn it off. Point <laughs> eight. Ah, fine. Uh, but yeah, so uh, that's kind of crazy. Um, so, so they haven't started any interest rate increases, but a number of members are apparently in favour of a 0.5% increase next month. Uh, but in order to do that, they would have to cut their uh, net asset spending first. So they've got a little bit of work to do. Makes sense. Um, yep. Push that off button. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> no more. <laughs> but, 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 but. but they just need another 20 million. Yeah, <laughs> no. People, I give people $500 and they vote for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there you go. So there, there you go. That's so what's going there on. you go. Hey? That's, that's what's happening in the world. Um, still, uh, still yet to be About seen. Same what's, story. 
what what interest rates will have to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, we're going to be talking about the US um, inflation rate next week, I guess. Talk about them so, next week. Yep. So uh, so that'll be interesting. What are we at? Eight point three. What did it yeah. go? Eight point five, and then it, went- it came to, with the oil stuff and just dropped to eight point three. Yes. Um, but core inflation uh, accelerated um, during last month. So that's it, right. it was just that there was deflation in uh, in, in uh, energy. So yes, um, that's it, right. We'll see what happens. Um, I mean, yeah. look, if yeah, I'm pretty sure if core inflation, it really de- it depends. You can look at it as you want to look at both. I think um, because you don't want to obviously exclude energy. That's obviously important. Um, yeah. and food, food and energy, two kind of important ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, depending if there's big swings, one might be a little bit more relevant than the other, mm. but, but who knows? Stay tuned next week. The young inflation podcast, uh, the young investors podcast, <laughs> the Jerome Powell podcast, the Jerome Powell. <laughs> we should get him on as a special guest. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, we can get him on. I think, right? Jerome. Hey, Jay. Jerome. JJ, mate. So when are you going to, you know, start doing something? When are you going to do something? <laughs> <laughs> Hit him with a zinger. Uh, yeah. uh, all right. Should we? Uh, should we talk about? Uh, oh, who's this? Who's this character you've put in today? Elon Elon Musk. Who's that? Elaine. Elaine. Elaine Musk. That. Have you seen that picture of him as a girl? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Elaine <laughs> Musk. <laughs> Uh, that's so funny. What a meme. Oh, actually, he's, he's a good looking lady, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. No, um, not, I, I don't want to ramble on Elon Musk too. I feel like there's been an Elon Musk segment for every podcast for the he's last been like, popular. 10 weeks now. Yeah. Um, but he came out this week and said, uh, Tesla are going to lay off 10% of their staff after he tweeted that he has a super bad feeling about the economy. Wow. Yeah. And, at the, you know, at this, at this, when he posted that, it's like super bad feeling about the economy. I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. You know, you, you've read some articles. But then I'm like, hang on. Elon Musk probably has a pretty good take on what the economy is doing. Yeah. From what he, from the businesses that he runs. Oh, and, yeah. you know, he's got operations in... China, he knows what's going on there. He's got operations in the US. Um, it's a auto manufacturing company, Tesla. So yep. he's got he's got his finger on the pulse of commodity prices. Yeah, um, aluminium, steel, etc. So and it's a it's a luxury, at least some elements. And probably, I guess you could all of their cars are quite expensive. So people are putting them on finance a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a leading indicator of how consumers are because people choose to cut borrowing first for discretionary things. So yeah. that's like, that just perfectly lines up with car um, borrowing to mm-hmm. buy a car. So, so he's probably got his finger on the pulse. He probably actually has uh, a better insight to the economy that I yeah. probably give him credit for. Yeah. Um, and I think that was actually raised by a couple of uh, JP, or JP Morgan analysts. It was like, actually, we, we do respect his opinion quite a lot because he, he probably has a lot of good insight in that area. Um, but anyway, so Tesla are going to lay off about 10% of staff. Um, they have 100,000 employees, so it's not insignificant. Wow. However, um, they said that salaried headcount will reduce by 10% um, as it had become, quote, overstaffed in many areas, um, but not uh, hourly headcount. Say so they say the hourly headcount will, in, will increase. And in fact, he, he specified saying, note, this does not apply to anyone actually building cars, battery packs, or installing solar. Right. Um, so it seems like more of the higher up, maybe management, sales, you know, who knows, administrative, maybe those people might, um, might be the ones that are cut. Right. Um, okay. Message sent to executives on Thursday loud, laid out his concerns and told them to, quote, pause all hiring worldwide. Mm. So, uh, there you go. Uh, yep, so that almost 100,000 people are employed at Tesla and its subsidiaries. The end of 2021, its annual SEC filing showed uh, it did not break down the numbers of salaried and hourly workers. Right, okay. Um, yeah. And what happened to the stock? Tanked 9%. <laughs> Yeah. Ouch. I, I think we're going to see a lot of this over the next year. Um, margins are starting to 
businesses yeah. are really feeling the margin pinch on on higher costs in other areas and in labor specifically. And I think we're probably in a lot of areas, especially in discretionary purchases like um, the auto industry, uh, definitely going to see, I think, revenues come off um, as the economy kind of deteriorates a little bit worse. And uh, that means that people look to cut staff because uh, unfortunately, it's quite expensive. Um, it's usually one of the most expensive elements of, of a business, uh, even in an auto business where they have, it's, it's very low margin, uh, you can, they can they can get a lot back from from reducing their staff um yeah so yeah so i think i think we're gonna see a lot of this but it tesla will be one of those ones that'll be cool to watch um because it, yeah i think it will act as somewhat of a leading indicator for the rest of the economy um you would expect but if then again i mean they have such a backlog of demand that maybe their actual revenue numbers won't act as such a good mm. um indication do, do they release the actual backlog figures or is no. that they don't right so that's that's where i think there would be some indication because the revenue of course uh the the revenue collected from customers is only recorded when the car is delivered so um yeah, yeah they'll probably still continue to to grow i guess back on the, that backlog for some yeah. time even if demand is lower so yeah i think the only actual published um Backlog data is that they've got like over a million Cybertruck pre-orders. Okay, and yeah. Elon has said that he they have at least three years of Cyber Cybertruck orders. Wow, at the moment, so a million—that's yeah. crazy. It's a lot, but there's the the opposing argument to keep it balanced is to 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 put your name down for a Cybertruck. All you had to do was put down a I think a refundable one hundred dollar deposit. Oh, okay. So, how many of those orders will yeah. actually get cancelled? How many will eventuate? Who right, knows? okay. So, it wasn't um, the same as the Roadster was like 10000 right? Or, or $1,000? Oh, it was more. It was like oh, really? fifty grand. For, oh, for was the, it really? Oh, the original Roadster? Or no, the for the next, new one. I think it's like fifty grand. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, a, that's a different story. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think even the Model 3 back in the day was $1,000. Um, oh, maybe that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. the Model 3 was $1,000 and they got like, I think, 180,000 orders in the first couple of days or something like that after that uh, reveal event. So, yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, the, he's still very confident. He talks about this all the time that they've got way too much business. Like the demand side of the equation is not is not the limiting factor for Tesla at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll just see what happens. But, yeah, obviously, uh, if Musk is – I mean, Musk is not someone who would seek to 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 fire people. That's not really his character. He's not really mm. about that. Um, so, for him to say, no, we do need to cut 10% of staff, the last time he cut staff, he said – you know, he, he basically said it hurts him to do this now, but he's doing it now so that they don't have to cut staff again. Mm. And he said he said that. He says he doesn't want to do this again. Yeah. And so the fact that he has essentially had to do this now um, is probably a good sign that he, he's not seeing uh, the rosiest of outcomes in the future, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we will see. I, I always watch it from... Uh, sorry, did I interrupt you there? No, no, no. No, I was just going to go into Q&A, but yeah, finish what you're going to I was say and then say, we'll go into it. I always watch this kind of thing, not from the perspective of automakers, but from RV companies because it's a yes. very, very similar kind of position. Yep. Thor just reported there, uh, the biggest RV manufacturer in the US just reported their earnings uh, yesterday. And yeah, they've had the same story. They've had these this huge backlog, which they're just trying to fulfill um, as quickly as they can. So, their, their revenues have just been exploding. Uh, and finally, this quarter, I think, was the first quarter where backlog actually went down. So, they're finally o- on over the top of uh, of the backlog and, and, and getting it down. Um which is an indication of them increasing their capacity, of course, and their efficiency, but it's also probably an indication of slowing demand um, for for RV products as they get more expensive to purchase because of higher c- cost of uh, aluminium and, and steel and then also higher cost of financing. Um, so, mm. yeah. All right. All right. Should we, we'll jump into some, some Q&A. Yeah, let's do it. I've, uh, I've got... There's a couple that are... Uh, addressed to you 
Um, should I ask you this one here? Okay. Yeah, this yeah. This one says, hi, Brandon and Hamish. Love the podcast and your channels. Thank you very much. Uh, Hamish, I do valuations with your spreadsheet and Phil Towns mar- uh, and Phil Towns margin of safety. I recently did a valuation and the, mar- uh, and the margin of safety buy price was 70% lower than your spreadsheet buy price. Mm. Usually the buy prices are in the same range. Would appreciate uh, your thoughts on this result. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, they are two different, completely different approaches. One using future price to earnings and one is a future cash flow calculation. So, they can differ. Um, But if there's a 70% difference, I think it's very likely that it's because the business you're looking at has multiple classes of shares and Google Finance uh, has trouble when it comes to multiple classes of shares. Because in my spreadsheet, I automatically take Google Finance's calculation of the total number of shares. Uh, If it's like Google where they have three classes, it only takes one class of shares. Um, it doesn't add them all together. Okay. So, you might need to manually take the buy price for the whole company or the fair value for the whole company and just go into the annual report, find the actual figure and then divide it by the number of shares. And uh, then you'll be able to, to get to that. And if there's a 70% difference, that's probably what's going on. Um, so, I would imagine you're probably looking at Google or um, Berkshire Hathaway or any of these businesses that have multiple classes of shares. Right. That would be what I'd look at first. But feel free to, my email is on my YouTube channel. Feel free to send me an email if you're still having trouble um, and I can I can help you out there. Cool. Um, all right. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read you this one. Sure. Hi, I'm 14 and from the Czech Republic, small country in Europe. I've been listening yes, to your podcast. We know the Czech Republic. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been listening to your podcast uh, for a fair amount of time and I love it. Thank you. Uh, anyways, I have a problem establishing uh, at least some circle of competence. Do you have any tips on how to start and keep widening it? Also, thank you very much for entertaining us at the same time as teaching us a lot. Thanks. Well, thanks for tuning oh, in. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. I have to say, if you're tuned into this stuff at 14, <laughs> you're set. You're, you're going to make a lot of money. Um, so, honestly, most 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 people your age, most of your friends are probably playing video games. So, if you're looking at getting into investing, nice. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well done. That's all I can say. You think about it. I mean, you've got even since... When did we? When did you start investing, Hamish? Twenty eighteen. 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 I was probably like twenty something. Twenty maybe. Yeah. You, you even if you like, you've got six more years of compounding than I had. One. That's that's mega. It's mm. not mega at the start. It's mega at the end. Mm. Imagine having like imagine getting to sixty five, but actually having the results of compounding by the time you're seventy one. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, uh, that's a good deal. So yeah. you should you should take advantage of that. <laughs> yeah, it could be the it could be the difference between a, a double in the size of your portfolio. Pretty uh, legitimately. Like, if you had a te- if you have an extra ten years at the end at a seven percent return, that's a double. So wow. Um, yeah, an extra seven or six years at a slightly better return is also a double. So um, yeah, it, it can make awesome. a big difference having an extra extra few years there. Um, but sorry, to your question, um, I think we've spoken about this one a, a bit before. A good place to start is 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 not feeling pressured to look into things that other people are talking about. Uh, just start to look into things that you, that are very close to home. So, for example, maybe you are into video games. You might be like, oh, you know, I play uh, Xbox a lot or I, I always play um, uh, games made by Take-Two or by Bethesda, you might end up looking into Microsoft, you might end up looking into Take-Two, trying to think of other video game companies, Sony, PlayStation, Activision, um, Activision Blizzard, yep, you know, Call of Duty, that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, or maybe you're just like, you know what, I feel like I, because, you know, I use social media blah, 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 a lot more than, say, these analysts do. I know the ins and outs of, like, Snapchat or Facebook and Twitter and that maybe you start looking into social media companies or maybe you're like, you know, I really like to 
uh, watch Disney Plus or I like to watch Netflix, you can start look. But I, I just say whatever you do, just keep it really close. Don't feel like, oh, you know, I, I'm young and I'm going to start in the world of stock market. Everybody on TV is talking about JP Morgan. So <laughs> let's let's go. JP Morgan. Let's start reading. I wouldn't do that at yeah, all. I'm a biopharmacist just- now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and a lot of the time, it, like investing doesn't need to be complicated. People like to make it complicated, which blows my mind. And Peter Lynch says that in his classic uh, his classic uh, speech where he's like, a lot of people want to buy the uh, M.2 Zing Bang 44 flash memory, 84 megabit, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, if you buy a piece of junk like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just keep it simple um, and, and don't feel like you need to, oh, this analyst said, you know, pharmaceuticals. I'm going to just don't do that at all. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um, The only thing I would kind of add on top of that is as early as you can, just get into a good habit of just reading about businesses. So, whether it's autobiographies from founders or or just any books related to business because um, your ability to read quickly and and, uh, decode information and to retain information from reading... Um, is 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 critical for for learning how businesses work. So as getting on that as as soon as possible, even if it's not that often when you're young, um, just finding a founder that you find interesting, maybe, and seeing if they have an autobiography or a biography where you can just kind of learn about um, how they built that business. Um, I think just getting in that habit is is like a good foundation for then going on and later reading hundreds of annual reports ultimately on companies and getting into the economics of how businesses work. So, yep. Nice. All right, should we wrap things up? Yeah, we've been going for an hour. Hope everyone enjoyed today's episode. As always, if you have more questions, feel free to head over to the YouTube version uh, and you can leave your questions as comments down there. And every week we grab them and uh, try and get through as many as possible. Um, thanks uh, to ShareSite for sponsoring today's episode, sharesite.com forward slash young investors. Uh, if you want to get four months off a yearly subscription or try out their free plan. Thanks, Brandon, for joining me as always. All good, friend. And uh, that's it for this week. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, I certainly will try and have a good weekend for my birthday. Long weekend, isn't it? It is a long weekend. Oof. So, uh, yep. Everyone enjoy it. Take a break. And, uh, see we'll you see down you guys. the coast. <laughs> we'll see you next That's week. where all the Canberrans go. They all go down the coast. Yeah, right. Where, okay. where do people in Melbourne go? Uh, I don't know. I don't know where people go. They don't, they, uh, see, Melbourne's probably I mean, cool enough that they don't need to I mean, run like, away from Melbourne. Yeah, like down the peninsula, I guess some people would go to like right. Mornington or to, I don't yeah. know, something down there. But yeah. It's probably not like a big vibe of leaving Melbourne for a long weekend. Whereas with Canberra, it's just like, well, we're off to the coast. See you guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think we ever used, my family ever used to do that. So I'm not sure. Right. I'm, I'm kind of out of that world. So. <laughs> anyway, if you're from Canberra, I'll see you at the coast. <laughs> <laughs> see you later, guys. Goodbye.